Hello and welcome to From the Top. We're the show that looks at some of the big issues in contemporary swing dance culture. I'm Alexey Korolev. In this episode, drug use. I don't know who said it, but one of the more well-known sayings about this topic in jazz is, you know, jazz was weaned on alcohol, it grew up on marijuana, and it retired on heroin. We've all heard about musicians taking drugs, but what about dancers? On the face of it, drugs do not play a big role in the swing dance community, especially compared to other music-oriented subcultures where using substances is a vital part of the experience. Even so, they are there. In this programme, we'll hear from two people who admit to taking drugs while dancing, but first, a little history from the man we heard earlier, Peter Loggins. I don't think we necessarily have any hard drugs at all in the dance scene. If we do, it's extremely, extremely hidden. But I don't know. If I did, I would be the first to fucking uh, chuckle a little bit and kind of think, wow. Because you got to have a pretty fucked up life to go doing hard drugs like heroin and shit, you know. And how hard of a life can you possibly be having if you're hanging out within the, this <laughs> this kind of silly swing dance community? You know, it's so happy and everything's so jolly, you know. We did, I would say, that was more common in the neo-swing scene, like in the 90s, but that was just a slightly different scene, you know. It definitely wasn't the Lindy Hop scene. It was uh, definitely a different thing, and the two slowly came together throughout the 90s. People used to commonly would rent the derby, the club in Los Feliz, for private parties and shit, right? And during the whole late 90s, when swing was the thing, they commonly would, of course, bring a swing band as well, or orchestra, and uh, a couple dancers, instructors, to either teach the party people or to perform or some shit. And uh, so we did a bunch of those. And uh, and yeah, oh, there were some parties there for sure. Those private parties, there was all kinds of drugs and coke, people doing lines and shit. And, and at one of these parties, I'll never forget, and I don't remember what Hollywood actor it was. It was somebody really old, but they were in the bathroom. They were smoking PCP and shit. Angel dust smells. If you ever smell that shit, it smells like, poof, it's chemical, man. Yeah, and that was pretty funny. Or how about, what's what's his face at the, uh, we were all dancing around that place at the time that uh, he died. The Viper Room, yeah. The Viper Room, Hollywood, West Side. And uh, what is his name? River Phoenix? The Viper Room was owned by, uh, it was a 50-50 kind of percent ownership, 50-51 thing. It was Johnny Depp was part owner and this guy named Soul. I don't remember his last name, but he he was cool, really nice guy. Yeah, we did some gigs for that guy. We did like this Dr. Pepper commercial thing with Dean Mora's orchestra, which was really cool. But there was all kinds of drugs in that place flowing. And what's, what's his name? Overdose right there on the sidewalk, right in front of it. You know, that's that was a catastrophe of drugs, right? River Phoenix death. Yeah, that didn't look too good. But um, I don't know. I've been around that shit. Too much of that shit is in, uh, when I was younger. And uh, I saw too many people die. Too many friends overdose and uh, die, including my uncle. Shit. 
my uncle overdosed right there by the main train station in uh, Copenhagen. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I've been around overdoses my whole life. All you can do is just go ahead, straight along. You know, hopefully people just learn. Like I said, I don't think it's a big deal in today's society at all. I don't see it as a big deal, but I'm not around it anymore, so. Peter Loggins. Now let's hear from my other two guests. They would only speak to me if I changed their voices and didn't use their names. Well, I, I've tried it a couple of times. I had a cookie with friends. We had cookies and then late at night, like at, at midnight or at one, that's when we had it. So the last part of the party, after everything is done, even the bands are over. And it has a really nice feeling, very different, different than usual and different than alcohol. You feel yourself moving, you feel the music better, you feel the partner, the movement, everything is, you experience it way better. I, I enjoy it, I, I don't do it a lot because a cookie lasts long and you really have to have the right conditions for that. But on those special occasions, we did that and all of us who were in it really felt the room differently. And we still have callbacks to those uh, few nights. It's really, it was really special, really different than all the others. The first time that I thought about having a cookie at a swing event, uh, it was after I heard from a couple of friends that we're going to the same event, and we knew that it's, well, in the middle between illegal and legal. I mean, it's illegal, but no one forces it, or you only get a fine at that country. We were talking beforehand, uh, and we made the cookies during that weekend, and we talked about when and where to, so we had a lot of planning. We were really responsible about it, and then we had it late at night at that event, and really... It was, it bonded us. It was kind of scary. If people will know, what will they think? Because it was kind of our first time doing that in a swing event. But it was really nice. People were talking to us, but everything was fine. No one seemed to judge us. It was all kind of a big laugh, a big fun evening, and, and made us feel safe to perhaps if the the timing is right and, and all the conditions are correct to do it again and, and it was really great experience. I would say that was pretty early after I started dancing. I used to like as a dancing aid to be honest, to be quite honest about it. Um, I was feeling very self-conscious about myself, about my movement and I think basically everything in my life at that time. I don't know, it just helped me to relax and really just concentrate on um, the impulses that I would receive from my partner when I was dancing as a follow-up And that, that was the only reason for doing that? Or is it just fun? Well, it's, it started out like as fun, but I noticed that it has like benefits too when I used it during dancing. Like um, I would notice different things in the music, for example, that I wouldn't focus on that much when I wasn't high. So that would like, give me an, a creative access to it, too. Mm. Do you do it every time that you're out on a social? No. I really don't, and I don't really do it anymore. It has really changed for me the, the use of, of the drug over the years that I have been dancing. 
you also have to be aware that there are different kinds of weed that you can smoke and they have different effects on your body and on your head too. So sometimes if you would get like the wrong kind, you could feel super tired and not even be able to move and just want to sit around. And there's other kinds of weed that make you just want to jump around and make you super excited <laughs> about everything. Have you ever had a, a bad trip while dancing? I don't really get bad trips from weed, to be honest. I just sometimes feel tired and maybe I want to go home and call it a night, but I wouldn't call it a bad trip. <laughs> yeah. But why do you think there's uh, still this um, stigma uh, around that, you know? That's one of the reasons you don't want to come out with your name and we're doing this anonymously. Well, why do you think that is? You know, it's, it's, it's better than alcohol, for sure. I think the same thing. That's why I hardly ever drink. It just makes more sense to me. It's just easier to control yourself. And with alcohol, you don't even get that. Yeah. But why do you think, why do you think it is frowned upon? That's really hard to say. I mean, that people think it's such a bad thing. There is so much propaganda against that, even from the jazz age. We know that people have been using that. And it's um, in states of the U.S., it's really easy to grow that stuff. And I don't know. Maybe maybe a racial racist component to it too, because from that time you hear like mostly the African American musicians sing about that kind of drug, and the the white musicians that I've heard singing about marijuana it was mostly like propaganda against it. I mean, of course, uh, drug use and substance use um, and hard drugs as well um, have always been an integral part of jazz music and rock music and all of that, you know. But do you think that it is as integral a part of dancing as it is of music? That's hard to say. I mean, when I when I speak from today, I do see a lot of <laughs> intoxicated dancers. Sometimes when you like go to big festivals, people do party hard. And I have met some other people that smoke weed actually quite a lot in the dancing scene. Yeah, for people who want to try it, I mean, give it a go. Um, know your limit. If you feel nauseous, you, you can never know how anything affects your body. It's like even if you drink coffee, if you get a bad bean, you might have a bellyache or something like that. So observe yourself. Be honest to yourself. And if you feel too excited, just relax. Just let yourself go. That's what it's there for. And you might have a really enjoyable evening. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew. Yeah, that cat is high, look that look in his eye, oh man he's high, yes higher than a kite. Swing dancers take drugs for different reasons. To build self-confidence for instance, or simply as a way of increasing the fun. But despite many countries now either having legalized recreational substances or on the way to doing so, even the use of cannabis and other soft drugs is still generally frowned upon in the swing dance community. In the end, there's no right or wrong, and it's all down to personal choice, but it's good to hear people talking about it. So many thanks again to my guests. It took some courage. That's all for this episode of From the Top. If you have been, thanks for listening. From the Top is brought to you by Igihop. As always, if you have any feedback, do drop us a line at contact at or on Facebook. Our website is fromthetoppodcast.com. And if you're not a subscriber yet, subscribe now on SoundCloud, iTunes, Mixcloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast app of your choice. Brother, from the top, you gotta take it from the top.